Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My name's Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host, and I'm also the founder of Novus Mindful Life Institute Family Counseling and Recovery Center in Long Beach, California. If you or someone you know is needing help for any of life's difficulties, please reach out to us. You can find out more information about us at theaddictedmind.com forward slash help. So this is episode 40, and I really enjoyed the guest that we have on today. His name is Jack Bloomfield, and he is an interventionist that works with the ARISE model of intervention. And it's an invitational model for family members who are struggling with someone in their family who's addicted. And this model doesn't use a confrontational approach, but uses an invitational approach. And I really like it. I think this is really how intervention should be done. So it was really exciting to have Jack on and have him talk about this and uh, discuss this. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Once again, if you're really liking the podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes. That really does help get us exposure. And also, if you have any thoughts about any of these episodes, please go to the blog and comment on there. I'd love to hear what you guys are thinking. So without further ado, let's start this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. I have a wonderful guest today. His name is Jack Bloomfield, and he is going to talk specifically about invitational interventions. And I'm really excited to have him on on as a guest because I think this is such an important topic, especially when we're struggling with our loved ones who are struggling with addiction. So Jack, you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about kind of how you got here and about this invitational model 
of interventions. Okay. Well, hi, Duane, and thanks for the opportunity to uh, share the good word about Arise Intervention. It is a pretty well-kept secret, even in the professional community, that the majority of people who think intervention think of something they've either seen on TV or heard about. And uh, Arise Intervention is a evolved model of how to help a loved one and a family uh, find help when addiction is present. So let's kind of just talk about, well, first, let's kind of talk about a little bit about you and getting into this field and, and your story of, of helping people who are, and families who are struggling with addiction. Tell me a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, have many, many years myself of personal uh, recovery from drugs and alcohol, and uh, I'm up to my fourth decade now. Congratulations. I awesome. when, I, when I was a very young person and I uh, have embraced the, uh, the model of recovery for my own life. And uh, probably about maybe 10 years ago, I was at the retirement age. I was about 50 years old and I retired and uh, just kind of thought about, you know, what would I want to do if I move forward? And this idea of, of intervention came about after I had taken a job at a treatment center and worked at a renowned treatment center for three or four years as an outreach representative. I would meet with uh, therapists around the state of Florida. I would go to conferences and I would be representing at this treatment center. And my job was to try and help people who call to find out are they a good fit for this treatment center? And if not, try and help them find a a program that would work for them either financially or the age appropriate or various things. And as I moved through that probably four or five years, I then got this yearning to go get my certification to be an interventionist so I could work with the families in the trenches in their living rooms. And, um, Started that about, I think I'm up to about my sixth year now. Wow! So, uh, but I did a lot of research before. I, I did a lot of research before knowing there's different models of intervention. And um, after finding out what Arise was, I knew immediately that's what I wanted to do. So my guess is like working at this treatment center and being part of that outreach. I mean, my guess is a lot of families are probably calling, and you're dealing with them, and you're talking to them, and figuring out how do they get their loved one help. I mean, that's, that's probably, uh, I would imagine, you yeah. know, seeing a lot of that. Well, the phone would ring and it was pretty much this, this, the same scenario of a therapist who was working with a family. Says, listen, you need to call this fellow Jack Bloomfield. He works for a treatment center. I met him six months ago when he was in our area. We had a meeting and he's very knowledgeable about treatment. So the family would call me at the referral of the therapist that they were working with. And they would just start saying, my son is in desperate shape or my daughter's going to die or my husband's in big trouble. And I would learn more about it and then find out, are they a fit for the treatment center I'm working for? And if not, let me do my best to try and find them the right program. So I had to make myself very familiar with treatment centers on what they charge and do they take insurance and do they work with trauma and do they work with eating disorders along with addiction and all of those different things. So I was pretty much the go-to guy for a lot of therapists who don't know the difference of treatment centers and don't really uh, have time to investigate that. So any therapist I met with, I said, feel free. If ever you're working with a family member or a family that has somebody in crisis, give my number. And that's where the phone would ring. And I got a lot of experience. I got a lot of experience talking to families and seeing how wounded the whole family was, not just the addict. That's what drew me to arise too, because that's the focus. It's on the whole family. It's not a focus on the individual, which is the old fashioned model. So tell me a little bit about when most people think about intervention, I I think they think of uh, the TV show intervention where there's a lot of confrontation. It's it's more confrontational in in that model. 
And um, we had talked earlier and you had talked about the Arise model being quite different from that. So can you kind of mm-hmm. tell us about the differences and some of your knowledge about that? Sure. The first designed model that we know of was started in the 1960s by a Dr. Vernon Johnson, and he created what's called the Johnson Model of Intervention. And at that time, it really was the only game in town and the only way to do it. It was to get the family together the night before, write letters that you love the person, but you know they're going to die soon if they don't get help. And if you decide not to get help, here's the consequences. So they would gather the night before. The next day, they would meet. They would lie to the addict or alcoholic uh, that we're going to have a, uh, a birthday party at three o'clock for grandma. We want you to be there. And the person would walk in and it wasn't grandma's birthday party. It was the family sitting there with letters on their laps saying, you need to get sober or else we're going to, you know, whatever the consequences were. So that's what they, they gave that term, the ambush model, because the addict walks in and they're ambushed. It's most times they'll sit down in a chair. They will stay. They will listen to the letters. And many times they would go to treatment because they felt coerced or forced to go to treatment because of the consequences and the or else part. The tough thing with that, Dwayne, is though that after a rise came along, which is the invitational model that I'll talk about in a minute, they started doing some studies of does a person who goes into a treatment program under force or coercion stay for treatment and an intervention? And they found that after doing a study for 18 months, that 70% of those people leave within two weeks of treatment. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Which is just uh, an astonishing, astonishing number. I mean, mm-hmm. to think that 70% of these people going in don't even stay, don't even get the treatment because probably, you know, yeah, if you're, if you're feeling forced into treatment and it's not part of uh, really what you want to do, I, I would imagine you're, you're not going to engage in treatment. Well, they get about a week to get the fog out of their head and detoxed. And then the next weekend, they're angry because their family ambushed them and lied to them and was deceitful. And now they're being very disruptive in the group at the treatment center with the therapist who's trying to help people. And all this person wants to do is be upset at their family. And so they end up leaving because, as you know, treatment centers aren't locked. They can leave. Right. Um, so to transition into the, the, the model of intervention uh, with Arise, when I get in touch with a family, for starters, I have to clarify that it's a different model. Many times they don't even know what it is. And I have to explain to them that we're going to invite your daughter, I'll just use a daughter as an example, to join us for a meeting and that you're going to change your vocabulary. And I coach the families on how to do this. Instead of saying, you need help and pointing your finger at your daughter, you're going to say, we need help as a family. And the whole dialogue changes to we need help rather than you need help. Because for years, that addict or alcoholic, whether it's a 60-year-old dad or a 22-year-old daughter, they've been feeling full of guilt and shame because they're the bad seed in the family. And if they would just get sober, the family would be fine. Well, the families are so distraught themselves with the pain they've gone through being a part of this for years and years that they're in as much of need of help. And how I transition that is very interesting because 
the person calls me within five minutes, Dwayne, it's amazing, but they'll talk about when my daughter was 12, she, we found pot in her room. And when she was 14, she did this. And at 16, she was thrown out of school. And at 18, she crashed our car. And I'll just wait uh, for a little pause. And then I'll say, do you mind if I stop you for a minute? And I'll say, how are you doing? And then there's a big pause. And then basically that mom or that dad or the couple will just start all the way. I can't sleep at night. I'm sad. I, I, the phone rings and I think it's the police calling again. We had to hire another attorney. My husband and I are fighting all the time because he thinks we should do this. And I, so I'll say to her, it, it sounds like you guys are, are hurting too. Right. And then I'll ask him, and I might say, do you have any other children? They'll say, oh, yes, we have a daughter away at college. I said, what's her relationship with this whole thing? Oh my God, she's enraged. She's so angry at her sister. She, she doesn't even want to come home. So I said, well, it sounds like she needs help too. And they go, yeah, you know, you're right. And so I said, that's when I transition to talk about Arise. And I say, this whole process is way different than anything you might know about intervention. We're going to work with you, everybody in the family, because the system is wounded. The system needs help. The family needs help. Because, and they don't deny it because they just spent time telling me how, how their lives are a wreck. So you bring like everybody yeah. into this process and even what you're saying, because my thought is, is that I don't think recovery happens through shame and guilt. I mean, no, it, no. it doesn't, you know, that feeds the addiction process. And it kind of sounds like, you know, when you look at this confrontational model where you're not telling the truth, you're kind of saying, hey, it's grandma's birthday. And I mean, that's all based on shame and guilt. And right. that yeah. seems to just feed the addictive system. And it sounds like what you're kind of turning that on its head and yeah. saying, hey, we're going to create a healthy system here and hopefully be of support to the person who's really struggling with this addiction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, agreed. The, uh, the the next question comes though when I start painting this, the picture that uh, if we pick a date to meet to set up this meeting for the family, first thing is if you get any uh, pushback from your loved one that you're going to invite, and I tell the families I'll coach you on how to invite your daughter to come, you're going to be able to say to them, well, we're going to have this meeting whether you come or not because we, we want to get help. Again, that turns the addict's world upside down by saying, wait a sec, you're going to have a meeting and I'm not coming and you're still going to be there? Right. Well, we also did we also did studies and found out that, and this was all done on an 18-month study with the National Institute of Drug Abuse, that 80% of the time that addict or alcoholic, if you teach them, teach the family how to invite them, they come. They come for two reasons. One, they're ready to get help and they know that this is part of it. Or they want to come and defend themselves saying, you guys are all nuts and I'm fine. Uh, but they don't want anybody talking about them. So there is a time or two that they don't come, but most times they do. And if they don't come, I tell the family, I say, you're going to start this process without your daughter. We're going to get you guys making all new, going in a whole new navigation direction for your own health and well-being. Plus, it's going to, it's going to shift your daughter because you're going to be doing things differently when it comes to enabling, when it comes to setting boundaries, when it comes to maybe going to your own family, family meetings at Al-Anon or, or reading books about codependency. I mean, I get the family going to where they're going to shift the system anyway. Right. And But most times the loved one does come. And the cool thing about this is, Dwayne, the meeting's usually about two to three hours. The first half is like a workshop about addiction. We do a family genogram. We discuss, we go through the, the, the idea of addiction, generational trauma, generational grief and loss. Uh, and, and by the time we're 20 minutes into this, the family's like, wow, you know what? We've had some 
tough stuff go on in our family. I say, you're right. But if we go across the street and talk to the people across the street in the next house, so have they. Everybody has these things in their family. And and so the thing is now, if you guys are ready to do some work, we're all going to start working on getting healthy and not be handing it down to the next generation because your past generation didn't do anything. They covered everything up. They drank about it. They spent money about it. They ate food about it. Uh, they divorced four times. All of those different things that um, this whole process can change the whole direction of this family system and move on through the next generation coming in a much healthier way. Right. It sounds like you kind of are able to normalize all these traumatic responses. When you have a ton of trauma, that's what families do when they don't know how to cope in a healthy way. They find addiction. They find ways to cope, even though they're not necessarily the best ways to cope. Mm-hmm. And it sounds and really, like that's, kinda... what, that's what recovery is really all about, whether it's a, somebody recovering in, in uh, Al-Anon from codependency or from addiction, that um, you're, there are healthy ways to deal with painful things in life. And those are the things we practice in recovery. If you're feeling an- anxious and anxiety, do you take a pill? Or do you call a friend and go have a cup of coffee? Or do you pray and meditate? Or do you go out and jog for 20 minutes? Or do you start eating differently? No, I I take pills and I drink. Or no, I just go out and spend money to to get a buzz. Right. So again, it's just it's your choice of of how you're going to do this. But a lot of families aren't even aware of what's going on until you start opening this up. And they're amazed. And again, one of the most, the greatest things is me being in this system with the family I'm not even paying attention to the addict or alcoholic the first hour. So it's almost like they're getting a sense like, wow, this isn't really about me. This is about our family. Oh, okay. And that's what you want them to know because they've been feeling like they're the bad seed for years. And now it's like, wait a sec. You mean we're all wounded? You mean we all need help? We all got to make changes? Yep. And it really... uh, it sounds like it really that. creates that um, that very inclusive environment. So everybody's kind of taking responsibility for their part and and being supportive of the other person. Yep. The, the other thing that I want to make sure that we point out about Arise, too, is that once a family begins, we start working together. We have our first family meeting together, whether the addict or alcoholic goes off to treatment or not. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they start in 12-step meetings. They agree to go start going to meetings, whatever it is. Nobody's forced, nobody's coerced. And again, this is a six-month process. So when you're the old-fashioned way, you see that intervention is, say, on a Friday night, you do the practice. Saturday, you force the person into treatment, and you'll never hear from that interventionist again. It's all over. You've got the person right. in treatment. Everybody's happy and clapping and, oh, good, they're going to treatment. Right. Well, when you're, when you're in the ARISE model, you're step-by-step, step, week after week, working with the families, holding them all accountable to doing what they said they would do in that first meeting. And so mom is just as responsible to get to her meetings, read the right books, go to therapy if we decided she wants to go back to therapy because she used to go. Whatever it is, I get the, all the family members to make commitments to do healthy behaviors for themselves and take the focus off the addict in your family and start focusing on yourself. Wow. Um, and so it's a six month process. I work with family six months. When it's time to say goodbye finally, it's 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 difficult because we've been working together and um navigating this whole new journey together, but it's it's very powerful at the same time. So this is a real when families kind of commit to this, 
this is like a long-term, six months is pretty long-term. <laughs> Not in the realm of recovery, really. But for a lot of families, that's we want the instant fix. Right. Yeah. But uh, we know like uh, that doesn't always work very well. And uh, so this is that commitment, but almost that commitment to that slow process of change. Right. You just said process. And that's something in that first call I'll have with the family who's reaching out. This is not an event. It's a process. Right. And uh, it pretty much you have to understand that. And I have had the dad jump in and say, look, I get all this. This makes a lot of sense. But can't you just get my daughter into a treatment center? And I tell him that I'm not your guy. The, the, the Arise model is not meant for that. You're going to be engaged in your, your treatment and your help as much as your daughter. And I have to have your buy-in or I can just basically refer you to somebody else because yeah. anybody who's working with the Arise process, it's not about just get my daughter into a treatment center. Right. I mean, if someone's saying that, then they probably don't want to look at their own stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, if they're saying, just you, get my daughter into treatment, it. I don't want to talk about anything else. Um, right. When I, when I say genogram and talking about maybe the past few generations, or I talk about that each family member you know, we're all going to work on our own stuff and, and that's what this is about. You're right. That can be the dad or the mom saying, well, you know, that all sounds good, but right. let's, for now, let's just get my daughter into the treatment center if you can do that. And I say, I'm sorry, but I'm basically, that's going to take the integrity of what I do away from what I do. Right. And um, the Arise model is, is, is a family-focused, long-term, six months, invitational model, and we have to stick to that or, or I, I'm not uh, the person you want to work with. Yeah, and I've had that happen. I, I know that I have. Where they, okay, let, let me get back to you. We'll think about it. And I might reach out about a week later, leave a message, and I don't hear back from them. And that's okay. We maybe give one call a week later. We don't chase people. Right. And sometimes six months later, the phone rings and says, you know, we talked six months ago. And, um, you know, it's gotten so bad in the last three months. We're ready. Yeah. So, yeah. again, that's why we don't chase people. It's got to be. And you know, those you natural know, consequences of addiction that, are going to kick in anyway. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, addiction and the addictive, the whole addictive system is about hiding pain, right? And, and when you're starting to heal and you're pulling away these addictive processes for all the family members in the system, you're, you're, there's probably some pain there. There's probably family secrets. There's probably mm-hmm. a history mm-hmm. of all that. And, and to face that stuff can be very scary. And sometimes people just, aren't ready and you can't necessarily force them, but you can just give mm-hmm. them the support that might help them move faster, but still it's got to be on there. They got to want it at a certain level. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just so great that when the family does understand this process and says we're ready and they know that they're going to be as involved in their own recovery as their daughter, it, it's amazing to watch what certain family members and how they start healing stuff that like I'll say to a dad, He'll share in our first meeting about that his father died at 50 and he was an abusive alcoholic. Right. And I'll ask, and I'll ask him, even though he's not the addict, I'll say, have you ever gotten any, any help or understanding or read anything about what, how that can affect you now as a 50-year-old adult? Well, no, not really. I said, okay, I'm going to... And then, and then an hour later when I'm asking each person to commit to certain things, I asked this person to agree to go to one ACOA meeting a week, one adult children of alcoholics meeting a week for 90 days. Would you do that? Right. If they say, well, I'm not really a meetings person. Okay, forget the meetings. How about would you read this book called Adult Children of Alcoholics by Janet Wojtitz? Uh, it was written back in the 80s. It's really the handbook. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll read that book. That's great. Okay. So now I've got dad 
reading this book, and he's not the patient. He's not the person of concern. I've got mom doing this. I've got the sister doing that. And basically, they're becoming totally aware of things they never knew about. Meanwhile, just get my daughter into treatment. Well, yeah, I don't want to. Uh, the, the good thing is, is that most families aren't like that. They, they want to learn more. And um, that's what makes this so powerful. If I, if I have one minute, I, the one example that I just love to share with is a dad. When we were doing, you know, learning about the family, it was known and talked about that the dad smokes a lot of pot. And again, he's not the person of concern, but he's a daily pot smoker. The wife was the person of concern, but the dad who thinks, you know, I just smoke pot. I'm cool. I said, look, I'm going to ask you because everybody's making commitments to change. I'm going to ask you, would you give up pot for 90 days? Would you stop just for the family and for you? It's healthy. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. And he fought me a little bit, but he says, you know what? For the family, I'll do that. I, I won't smoke pot for 90 days. And again, we have our accountability calls every week. And we've taken notes on what everybody said they're going to do. I got a text from this fellow one year later after working with his family for six months. And he calls himself the Dan man. And he said, hey, Jack, the Dan man here. Just wanted you to know I just celebrated one year. No pot. Oh, that's great. I mean, (laughs) all I was doing was asking him as, as a being an example of the family. How about you? We're asking your daughter to stop using drugs and drinking and go into a treatment center. How about you? Just. For the family, no pot, 90 days, would you do that? Yeah. And, uh, and he texts me a year later, proud of himself that he doesn't smoke pot anymore. That wasn't the purpose of the intervention. But when you, <laughs> when you hear people doing that or just, you know, people send me ideas a year later, hey, Jack, just wanted you to, you might want to include this book in your library for the families you work with because this is an amazing book. It's really helped me. So again, they're engaged now in their own treatment and their own awareness and their own growth. Yeah, uh, and they weren't even the person that had the addiction. Yeah, they get the they so. get to experience the 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 beauty of recovery when you're yeah. you know, when you're you get kind of a little bit to the other side and you see the benefit of doing all this work and it's just worth it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. So, all right, Jack, if there's a family out there or or anybody listening to this podcast right now, what would you want to say to them? Well, if they're in need of intervention, I would say that they could uh, learn more about it by going to the Arise website, which is arise-network.com. If they wanted to talk to me personally, they could go to the design, living.com website. And the phone number is 954-740-0622. And we could talk to the family about it and answer some questions. But uh, it's a very powerful thing when the family's involved. And it's just... Uh, uh, it's about 20 years old now, and it's getting more and more known. But uh, I'm very happy and and content to be uh, the one who can share this with other with families that are hurting. I think it's awesome, Jack. And I can just I can as we've talked and and talked before, even in, in this podcast, just your your passion <laughs> in helping these these families just comes through in, in your conversation, and it sounds just really exciting that. You know, you get to add this to to, to helping those struggling families out there. And so mm-hmm. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and doing this and taking the time to do this and to get this information out there to people who can, who need it. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming on. Well, I appreciate it, Dwayne. And thanks for all the great work you're doing too. Oh, thanks so much. And hey, listeners, I'll have all those links in the show notes. So you can just go to theaddictedmind.com forward slash 40. And all that information will be there. So if you need to get a hold of Jack, you can. And um, Jack, once again, thanks for coming on. Okay, thanks, Wayne. Appreciate it. 
All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. You can find all the show notes at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 40. Once again, if you are enjoying The Addicted Mind, please go to iTunes, rate and review us. That really does help get us a lot of exposure and get this information out to people that need it. Also, I'm encouraging everybody to go to the blog and comment on these episodes. It helps me understand what people are thinking, what's helpful, and it really helps me create even better episodes in the future. So any of your feedback is greatly appreciated. I really like it and enjoy it. I like to uh, hear what uh, people are thinking about all the episodes. So just go to theaddictedmind.com and click on any episode you want to comment on. You can comment at the bottom of the page. And uh, I too try and respond to every single one and read them all. So thank you so much. And until next week, have a wonderful day. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.